0: I'm Tisha Bader and in the news, a recent visit of 12 ambassadors to the United Nations to Israel, a trip that was at the invitation of Israel's ambassador to the UN, Gilad Erdan, and the American Zionist movement, the AZM. AZM President Deborah Isaac was on the visit, and she joins us now on JBS to talk about the experience and its significance for the UN envoys, and possible impact on how Israel is viewed at the UN and around the world. Deborah, thank you so much for joining us here on JBS. Thank you for having me. And Mazalto, by the way, on being elected AZM president just this past June, it's still very relatively new, I should say. Yes, it is very relatively new. And thank you for that wishes yes so you accompanied this delegation of ambassadors last month this was with the ambassadors to the un from albania argentina bulgaria croatia ecuador hungary nauru palau south korea samoa uruguay and zambia really Correct. impressive and i'm guessing i'm assuming that this was the first visit to israel for all of for most of them if not for all of these envoys It was the
1: first visit for most of them, and it was the first official visit for all of them. So one or two of them had visited um, on their own with their families previously, but not in any official capacity. And for most of them, it was their first time in Israel altogether.
0: Nice. So, and you you toured many places uh, quite extensively, including in Jerusalem's old city, the Jewish sites like the Kotel, the Western Wall, as well as Muslim and Christian sites, and Yad Vashem, Israel's memorial to the Holocaust. Tell us about some of the places that really stood out for you as far as how you saw the impact on on the envoys experiencing those places.
1: So it's interesting obviously we did a lot of as you mentioned uh historical sites and tourist kind of sites but which was not necessarily the the folk main focus of the of the trip the main focus being obviously more historical um economic and uh cultural but uh it was really interesting that one of the ambassadors mentioned that the highlight of his trip was a visit, a Shabbat meal at a home in the old city that was hosted by a family for us, and that that was extremely powerful for him. And he mentioned that as the most impactful thing for him uh, to President Herzog when we met with him.
0: Wow. that is, That is really interesting. You never know what experience is going to really resonate with somebody and connect with somebody. And I know meeting with Herzog was was just one of the sit downs you had um, as a group you also met with with the Prime Minister I believe with Naftali Bennett and with- we met.
1: yes we met with Naftali Bennett we met with uh, Yair Lapid the Foreign Minister we obviously had some meetings with the Foreign Ministry um, as well as meetings with the IDF which are extraordinarily important um, and we also visited I would say a very important overlook in the middle of the country which allowed you to see the proximity of you know the areas that are in question often in the UN to very key piece, places such as Ben Gurion Airport, um, and we also took the ambassadors to see um, the terror tunnels that were built by Hezbollah in the north, and the proximity of Gaza and the threats from there to the local communities in the south.
0: So I do want to talk more about that because. I think that is so incredibly important and something you can't really convey unless you're there in person to actually see a terror tunnel, as you said, dug by Hezbollah, to see an Iron Dome battery, to see how close some of the Israeli communities are, how little time they have to run for shelter when rocket attacks occur. How did that, resonate with with the ambassadors? Do you think that it will shift or at least give them a better context for when resolutions come through the UN, which are often against Israel, which often have to do with how Israel responds to rocket attacks, how Israel defends itself? Do you see that having having a strong effect?
1: So it definitely will have a strong impact, and I think in a lot of ways. But in particular, if we're going to focus on the security briefings and the security visits that we had, if you take into consideration that we visited um, at the Hezbollah tunnels, right? So those are coming from Lebanese border, on the, on the border with Lebanon. And we we're able to see there, and through our visit with the, with the northern command there, uh, the UNIFIL, Forces that are supposed to be keeping peace there, and the difficulties they have with the Hezbollah militants there in the area. And they were able to see, the ambassadors were able to see with their own eyes what those difficulties are and how challenging it is. As well as when you see the terror tunnel and how extensive it is, you feel how intent the people who built it and took 12 years to build that infrastructure, how bent they are on causing harm.
0: Absolutely. I would love to read a quote, something you said ahead of the trip. You said, we hope that the ambassadors come away from the experience with a deeper and more realistic perspective of Israel and the threat it faces, as well as an appreciation for the rich and diverse culture of the state of Israel. AZM looks forward to forging new and lasting friendships with the members of the delegation And their countries. And of course, Gilad Erdan, who was with you, has said multiple times that one of his main goals is to bring as many ambassadors from countries around the world to the UN to Israel for that very reason, to see for themselves, to experience things for themselves, to be given that context and that information, which is just, it's very difficult to express and to have that have a strong effect on you, unless it is from that up close and personal trip or experience that, that you've provided for them.
1: Yes, that, that is absolutely correct. I mean, there's, there's no way to describe the proximities without seeing it in person. So on the security basis, this is extremely important, but I wanna say that there are various other benefits that um, really ripple out from this trip so first of all I want to make clear that we also had spouses on this trip some of the spouses are also diplomats themselves this is a very important thing some of them are university professors this is important the fact that they the ambassadors get to spend time together with one another and build this relationship they now have colleagues who they can reach out to and discuss these matters and feel confident to speak out on issues that relate to Israel now that they have this knowledge base that they did not have before. And it's interesting the diversity of the level of knowledge that the ambassadors have before they come on the trip. Some of them have very little knowledge and some have some more, but they certainly have quite a bit more once they finish the trip.
0: And I love that you said ripple effects, because I, th- I think that's really what this is about as you said not just their experiences but when they're back at the united nations debating an issue or being faced with a with a resolution that often tends to be against israel that they can have their own experience and also discuss with their colleagues look i saw x y and z or this is what i felt when i saw it really the the ripple effects are are quite amazing
1: Yes, really huge, and also keep in mind that many of these are people who are gonna go back to their governments, perhaps in other positions later on. They have, they're quite influential within their own countries, and so that is a real big impact as well.
0: And I know, I'm, I'm guessing you feel the same. Whenever I hear someone saying something anti-Israel, whether it's on social media or in an article, my first instinct is to say, have you been there? You should go. Because I feel like so much is seen on the ground, just walking down a street in Jerusalem, when you see uh, an Arab woman walking next to a, a Jewish woman or a priest walking next to a rabbi or whatever the case may be, you see the diversity, you see that people, for the most part, are really living peacefully. And you also see the challenges, obviously.
1: Yes, I think that it was really clear in with everyone who we met, whether they be journalists or um, people from high tech or various uh, university professors, etc., as well as people we met who are activists, that it was clear that there are many challenges. Israel is complicated, but that doesn't mean there isn't wonderful things and there aren't great things that they can see and learn. And yes, the diversity was clear.
0: So let's talk a bit about this, what seems to be a more, a more and more urgent need to defend Zionism. I'm sure you you face this regularly at AZM, but what do you, does it seem to you that this need to defend the word, the concept of Zionism has gotten more urgent, more necessary of late? And how do you deal with that?
1: So that's, that's always a very tr- difficult and complicated concept, but um, I think it's really important for us to remember that strengthening Zionism and strengthening people's pride at being Zionists and pride in Israel is our job. And that is what is going to give people the ability to withstand attacks from others as well as knowledge. And so this is where we are focusing these days.
0: So can you give me just some examples of maybe some programs or initiatives that you have coming up to deal with anti-Zionism or anti-Semitic incidents, let's say on college campuses and beyond? So um right now we don't have specific
1: programs on tap for that although we are constituting an anti-zionism task force which will be focusing specifically on that on that uh, particular su- subject however my view is that the more we strengthen zionists and the more we strengthen the ability of people to feel pride in who they are and pride in Israel that that's an overall Um, effort that will strengthen their ability to withstand anti-Semitic attacks or anti-Semitic claims. There are many organizations that focus specifically on anti-Semitism and um, they are doing great work and will be partnering with some of them. But really our role is to strengthen that Zionism. And I find it interesting that in the past, I would say maybe about 10 years ago, there was definitely a movement to remove the word Zionism from our dialogues, from that it was it had a very negative connotation. And I'm now seeing within the Jewish world, more people embracing the word Zionist. And I think that's a positive a positive uh, trend at this point. And we, of course, will be bolstering that.
0: And I wanna just mention, um, of course, we were just, Marked the end of a year and AZM posted a great video of, of everything that uh, was accomplished last year, highlighting different work that um, the movement has done. What are you looking for this year? What are you looking forward to? What do you see as, as some of the main challenges that the movement is facing?
1: So um, last year, and I just came into this role, as you mentioned earlier, six months ago, um, at the end of a year that came right after the Zionist elections. And of course, whenever you have elections, that tends more to divide people than to unite them. Plus, we're living in a world which tends to have things go partisan in every way. Our role is to bring all of the Zionists together, to have them spend more time knowing each other, speaking about what brings us together, what is common amongst us. Um, The American Zionist Movement now has 39 organizations. That's 39 different viewpoints and they do run the spectrum, but we have so much that's in common and so much that we all believe in. So we are spending our time at looking at getting to know each other better. A year on Zoom or a year and a half on Zoom has not helped that relationship building that we all need.
0: But I think it's that it is quite remarkable to cover that kind of a spectrum within the Jewish community. And many people, I think, outside of the Jewish community don't realize the, the diversity within the community of, of different organizations from right to left or however you want to categorize it. And to have the AZM sort of serve as this big tent, um, if you will, to try and find what those commonalities are. Uh, is really a a wonderful thing and a challenging thing, I'm sure.
1: It's challenging, but it's also beautiful in its way, right? Because we see and you can see that you can be a Zionist in so many ways. And yet we all have so much in common. And we're looking at right now, bringing a lot of the women who are putting um, Zionism forward together, we're going to be creating that network, which often the women don't take that time to put themselves together and work on that. So we'll be having something to celebrate that and to create that network. And we're also looking forward to um, Israel 75, which although people are not quite thinking that way, it is coming up in 2023. And so we're planning on really um, overseeing a collaboration of as many of the Jewish organizations as possible in celebrating together.
0: That's very exciting. And I know, as you said, it seems like a long time away, but it's really not that far away as far as preparations, of course, for these kinds of things. Um, what sort of is, is your vision for that for that celebration? What would you like it to encompass?
1: Well, we are really at the beginnings of it, but um, we would love to see some signature events happening in the larger communities around the United States, along with materials and resources to allow other communities to participate in their own way as well. Um, kicking off sort of around Yamaha's mode of that year and letting it be um, a celebration that goes for the year of 75.
0: And what would you like to see just in general down the road as far as Israel diaspora relations? Um, there are many wonderful things in those in that relationship. And there are also, as with everything else we've spoken about challenges, things that come up, um, how best do we deal with that and make sure that we maintain that strong bond and relationship, even when there are things that arise that maybe Israel and the diaspora see slightly differently?
1: Yeah, that that it's interesting because I think it's taken a long time for people to wake up to the fact that Israelis don't really understand Jews of the diaspora. And um. Often Jews of the diaspora don't understand Israelis that well, although I think it's it's more complicated in the other direction. But I'm very heartened to see that this is something that the government of Israel is emphasizing, and that um, the national institutions are at, are in, you know emphasizing at this point. There's a lot of work to be done there but there is definitely um, an openness to having that dialogue open. I really wanna look at emphasizing the A in the American Zionist movement, the American. We have to remember that we're a very large group. We're 7 million Jews in the United States. We're the largest diaspora community and we should represent the, you know, goals and issues of US Jews in Israel in those national institutions and to the government. So we're working on making those communications, those lines of communications remain open and working with the government.
0: That's that's really wonderful. And I know, Debbie, for a minute, I just wanna talk about your, your background and how you came to AZM. I know you've led many other uh, Jewish organizations and done important work over many, many years. Can you just summarize a bit for us um, how you got to AZM and and your background? Sure. Um, Well, I'm trained as a lawyer,
1: and so I'm kind of like many other recovering lawyers. I found other things to do. Uh, (laughs) But really, my entree into the, quote, Zionist world came from my involvement with Amit. Um, And I'm I'm sure you may be familiar with Amit, but Amit runs schools in Israel uh, servicing 44,000 students in Israel. So my entree was through education. Uh, it was very important to me to strengthen the country through that education. And I really viewed it as I didn't have an opportunity to make Aliyah, to live in Israel. So I would spend my time uh, as best as I could to do something to strengthen the country. And that allowed me to really do some very positive things for the country and also got me very much involved in the Zionist world as um As a leader in that organization, I ultimately became president of AMID. And so was involved with the Conference of Presidents, with the American Zionist Movement, with the World Zionist Congress, et cetera, in that way.
0: That's wonderful. And I know you also are are active in a program um, in your local community regarding children dealing with uh, difficult family, the death of family members or dealing with difficult, uh, tragic situations. Yes, I mean, I've done many
1: other things locally as well. And one of them is um, iShine, which is a, a program, an after school program for children from families that have either a death in the family or a serious illness in the immediate family. It gives the parents a little bit of a respite that they know their children are being taken care of for that time period.
0: Well, it sounds like the AZM is in good hands with you at the helm. So I wish you every success going forward for you and your wonderful team.
1: Thank you so much. And I thank you for this opportunity to talk about our programming and the things that we are doing. And I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Absolutely, and we hope to talk to you again when there's something going on that you would like to share with us. We, we would love to have you back on JBS. Our pleasure. Thank you so much, Debbie. Deborah Isaac is president of the American Zionist Movement. We thank her so much for joining us here on JBS. And thank you as always to our director, Sloan Copeland, Managing Director Dara Galib, Technical Manager Michael Paley, our Transmission Manager John McDevitt and Producer Carol Lilienthal. And thank you for watching in the news. I'm Tisha Bader. Be well.